Good morning. Gives me great pleasure to introduce Dr. Rick Holm in studio along with his wife, Joni, this morning. Good morning. Good, good morning. morning. How are you? How are you? Good. Good, good. Thank you all for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have Dr. Rick Holm in the studio. Uh, he is a clinical professor at USD School of Medicine, recently retired, but here doing radio and still doing the Prairie Doc television show. We're working hard for our season coming up. That's going to be a fun season, and uh, we've got the, all the way up to Christmas almost complete. Two How shows many seasons is that now? 16th season coming up. Wow. 15 years of, of, of television. That's been a fun little romp, you know. It's a great educational program for the state. So um, one of the people that works with me, uh, works with us, Joni and, and, uh, uh, and I work together on this, uh, was doing some, I don't know where she f- ran into this, but found an article that was in uh, one of the journals that reviewed the quality of the information from Dr. Oz and, doc- and the doctors on TV. A lot of a lot of people watch, you know, millions and millions of people, and um, they they studied how much of the data was scientifically based, you know, information based on science that's been proven. Um, and they, you know, I watched how they looked at it, and uh, it, uh, th- at least fifty percent is not based on scientific data. And they make no bones about the fact, uh, I mean, they make no apologies. They don't state that uh, they're getting any recompense for advising people to take this weight reduction diet pill or whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, not, not, not that ethical. Uh, we, do, we just make our, I mean, Joni and I are volunteering here today with you. We, we're, except for that big money that you're giving me under the table. Yeah. And tomorrow night, too, the doctors and I are total volunteer, as is Joni's effort, you know, and uh, we survive because of donations from and underwriting <coughs> from people and uh, from corporations that, uh, but we don't give them anything back except to say, this is a good cause. We try to d- say something that we base on scientific data. I'm sure we're not 100% uh uh, solid, like coughing into your elbow, the data is, there's no data, but we've advised it. So where would you put that? Well, you'd put that in that 50% that isn't proven. But we, you know, but most of what, everything we say is, well, everything that we say is basically supporting the doctor, uh, or is the doctor's um, advice coming from the guest that we have, or from this doctor. So. And we uh, we just received a, a bu- beautiful donation from friends, a nice letter from, and I'm not going to say the names. I, they, they may not want us to say their name, but thank you for your kind gift to Healing Words. And uh, Healing Words is a sponsor of Joan Hogan and Prairie Doc Radio, and 
that is what keeps us alive, is uh, support from friends like you. Well, and I thought we'd bring that up since you're talking about the volunteer nature. So thank you, friends that sent this in. Yes, thank So you. we do like your questions. If you'd like to call us at 692-1430, we have one question already. We'll come back to that after our break, but this will give you a chance to call in with your questions. Uh, we'll be right back. Hello, this is Joni Holm. Welcome you back to Prairie Doc Radio. Uh, we are on every Wednesday. If you're new to this area, uh, tune in and you'll hear a medical call-in show. And we do take questions. And I have a question that came in uh, before uh, our show but, started. But the telephone number, if you want to call in a question, and please do. I mean, make us uh, a little phone call and, and ask us anything that's on your mind that is medically oriented. And I'll try to give you the scientific data that ba- bases it. And I wanted to add uh, tomorrow night... We're having uh, a rerun of uh, some of our favorite shows every through the summer. Tomorrow night, the show is on brain trauma, and our guests were Dr. Dan Riefenberger, of, uh, an internist from uh, and family physician. I think a family physician from the Brown Clinic in Watertown, and Dr. Uh, uh, Wassam Ashfahani, a neurosurgeon from Sioux Falls. And uh, we're talking about head trauma. We can touch base on that particular topic this morning as well. But try to catch that show tomorrow at 7 o'clock, public broadcasting. Uh, But today, we are on KBRK. We've been doing this for 25 years, don't you think, Bob? At least that long. It saddens me to think. (laughs) I've seen it most every year of that, too. Oh, boy. Yeah. So... Well, the the question that has come in, ask about a blood test. So this is a little specific to this particular person, but I think our our listeners can uh, learn from it. They had a blood test for their GFR, which I'm thinking is malleolar filtration rate, rate, which is a kidney test, and it's low at 56. Should they get this looked at? 56 is pretty normal for anybody over 70. And we uh, don't it, have the age of this person. You know, the classic, uh, the classic uh, glomerular filtration rate is in the 80 to 120 range, depending upon your size. Um, and you can, you can make that uh, go less if you... Uh, uh, actually, let me put it this way. One of the things that we use to measure kidney function is a... Is a a simple test called the creatinine. The creatinine is a, a level of one of the things that the kidney cleans out. And the creatinine will climb when you're dehydrated. The creatinine will go up when, you, uh, when you're not eating well and, and you're malnourished. Uh, the creatinine is a measurement of, of not only kidney function, but also the rest of the body and how it's functioning. So people who are, um, I had a patient who was diabetic, for example, and her creatinine was two. Normal is one, right? And it's, when it's two, you're about, you're, you've got a glomerular filtration rate of about 30. Normal is 100 glomerular filtration rates, better than creatinine because it, it, it really does reflect the kidney uh, function better than just the creatinine. Creatinine goes up with dehydration and malnutrition. So the person had a creatinine of two, uh, and but had terrible edema. The swelling was uh, uh, in the lower legs and everywhere. Part of that was the kidneys were failing, and it wasn't holding on to the protein. 
uh, kidneys usually let the water out, hold on to protein. She's losing, she was losing her protein, and so her proteins were really low. And it's one of the reasons for edema. It isn't always the cause of edema, and it doesn't always result in edema, but it often does. And so she was edematous, and actually her wounds were failing, were not healing, and in fact were getting worse and worse. She had wounds. I thought, okay, it's a compromise. I've got to get the water out. Her creatinine climbed as I dehydrated her. And she looked at those numbers and assumed that her kidneys were failing. Well, the GFR remained about the same, which was like 10 or 12. Really bad. Hundreds normal. And... um, uh, but it, it, it is uh, one of those tests, and I'm just one of those examples of how creatinine uh, will change with level of hydration and other things, whereas the GFR is a more accurate test of kidney function. Well, you need to look at the whole picture. You know, it's, uh, it's difficult for the non-trained person to just see a number and to try to equate, what do I do with this? Right. And so that's where the internist, the family practice doc, you know, or if we need to get to the kidney specialist, they will be able to advise this person right. on, on where to go from there. Let's, let, let's talk a little bit more about kidney function and GFR uh, before we go on. Uh, uh, because uh, the, I've dealt with this one, and it's a it's a sticky wicket. It's one of those things you wish somebody's creatinine clearance, their glomerular filtration rate was a hundred. Uh, as they get older, it drops down into those even fifties range. When it gets less than fifty, uh, you start getting worried. You get thirty. Uh, and, uh, and they may, they'll be functioning well. You get down to 10 now, you s- need to really start realizing that you're close to dialysis. What can you do for a person to, to save the GFR? What can you do to keep them from losing their kidneys? Okay, so um, what, you, what I can say to that patient with a GFR of 30, you've got to not take a lot of Tylenol. You don't want to take a lot of ibuprofen. You want to have a good diet that has adequate, balanced diet. Uh, I'm going to look at your medicines, and we will try to balance them correctly. But you certainly don't want to have a lot of edema. But at the same time, I don't want to be over rigorous in, in diuresing you. And um, if you're diabetic, you want to have your diabetes as well controlled as you can. That's it. I oh. mean... Oh, am I going to give you a pill that will improve? No, you can't. There's no pill. Uh, In fact, less pills are... Yeah. Is there something else I can do? No. What? I I can tell you, and it it irritates some people. They'll they'll say, why didn't you tell me? Or why didn't you let me know? Or why didn't you do something? There's nothing really to do. The diabetes often is is an unrelenting... uh, a harbinger of kidney failure, and you you try to get their blood sugars as well controlled as you possibly can, but not so low that they burn out their brain, and uh, they end up. Um, uh, no matter what you do, the kidney gradually gets worse and worse and worse. Sometimes, in some cases, and who's to blame? Well, it could be your primary care doctor. Why didn't you do more? 
and I've been on the side of that. Why didn't you help me more? And the answer is, we tried to balance your diabetes. We got you on the lease of medicine. We tried to get you to eat correctly. We wanted you to exercise regularly and get, live a decent life. But you know, it's like cancer. It's like heart failure. It's like heart attack. It's like aging. There's some things you can't change. So um, what you do often is when you're getting pretty low, you send them to the kidney doctor. And the kidney doctor will say, oh, this is bad. And we're going to set you up and put you on a dialysis, get you ready for dialysis. Um, there's a time when you're in your late 80s or 90s where you may not want to really mess with that. You just kind of hold tight, do as well as you can, and not think about dialysis. But basically, the dialysis people will talk about dialysis. You know, They want you on dialysis. I think we need to look at the balance of our lives, and and people need to, th- to think through all of those options. But taking care of yourself as you are young and as you are aging is the most important part. Save your kidneys uh, early. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. some of that is medication. And I would venture to say that there are probably um, supplements that could damage your kidneys, but I don't speak with a lot of knowledge on that. I think well, just there is, no, keep there in mind. There are definitely certain supplements that have kidney-damaging uh, aspects, particularly the Chinese herbal things, they seem to be quite toxic and more more at risk for danger. So the least you can put in your body is the best. Eat, eat a balanced diet, exercise regularly. That's the first thing that you start. You start with that. Mm-hmm. We have to realize that when we put a pill in, that our body has got to to process that. Our stomach has to deal with it. Our liver has to deal with it. Our kidneys have to deal with it. And so taking something that is not uh, 100% needed is probably, you know, frowned upon. Uh, We do need to take a break. We'd like to have more questions, and we do have another one that has come in. Thank Thank you you for your question. Listeners, Um, our phone number is 692-1430, and we'll be right back. We also would like to uh, let folks know that they can email us their questions, if that's more convenient, kbrkstudio at brookings.net. Hi, everyone. This is Joni Holm (laughs) with Prairie Doc Radio. Uh, We are happy to have you listening. If you'd like to call in a question, you can find us at 692-1430. And the uh, question that has come in uh, is... Here, a 78 year old female has asked about a celiac blood test. Um, Rick is looking that up to see what the norms well, are, but this person has a um, hundred is their number, and they yeah. want to know if that is within the normal limits. No, it's not. It's okay, explain a little bit about celiac the and then teli- the celiac test. Okay, celiac disease is where you have a an unusual immune system problem where uh, actually you don't have it, it there's an immune system part to it but what you have is an uh, uh in- inflammation that happens in the small intestine as a result of eating gluten uh the foods that have gluten include most of the cereals uh oh um uh, uh, the corn is an exception. Rice is an exception, but you know wheat is the big wheat. culprit. So pastas, breads, and right. uh, any of the foods that have uh, added flour. Right, and when you need to go, if you have celiac disease, you need to be on a gluten-free diet, and it means it's not a low gluten f- gluten diet. It's a gluten-free. It's an all-or-none thing. You can't kind of do it. 
So what's the norms on the test? So the TTG antibody test. Now we have a blood test, and there's several others now that are uh, a derivation of that particular test, but there's a blood test for TTG, um, and that will tell you when it's high, it means that you have this antibody that is inflamed and attacking your small intestine because you are eating gluten and you have developed, and it's not quite an allergy, it's, I think it's more of a Ig, I mean a, a, a T cell and a, a, a immune uh, attack against the small intestine. If you're eating wheat, uh, then the uh, then the the TTG goes up, and it attacks the small intestine. You have an inflammatory process. You become intolerant of milk, even though you usually wouldn't no, be. Not no, milk. Milk. Okay. People have a milk intolerance. They think that's the problem. Well, the problem is they have a milk intolerance because their immune, their their uh, small intestine is so inflamed. Okay, but let's go back to the original the question. The test. The test, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I always, I think it's under 20. But okay, I have so to look, look it up. Someone with 100 is definitely. Way up there. And, th- and you can, I've seen people in the, in the number hundreds, you know, the three, four hundreds. Um, and, but let's say you have celiac disease, and you're eating uh, a gluten-free diet, the number normalizes. Uh, So uh, I like to think uh, that uh, if you're going to be tested with a TTG, it's going to be a test. You don't want to go on a gluten-free diet before you test your TTG because then it will normalize and you go, oh, I don't have celiac disease. It's a very interesting thing, though. Right now, people are, are finding that a gluten-free diet is helpful for people who don't have celiac disease in as much as if they have a GI problem, sometimes they, it gets better when you go gluten-free. And it's in the literature. The scientists, uh, the doctors uh, have written about that as a can't say for sure, don't know for sure what the this is all about but we're 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 trying to learn more and some people do better on a gluten-free diet even if they don't have celiac disease and that's an interesting comment now i did find the value and over 10 of the ttg is considered positive now of course we don't know exactly which blood test this caller is asking about we're assuming that it's the ttg one thing that i don't understand with with actually both of our calls is obviously they don't get these numbers unless they've been to a a clinic to a practitioner right so trust the person you're seeing they're going to give you good answers so and it's a it's not the world's worst disease anymore if you go to the grocery store, pretty much every time you look at a label, you can see gluten-free on it. Or um, uh, it may say, because uh, I've been having some GI problems associated with this uh, surgery that, I've had, that I had in, uh, two months ago. And I was, I've been looking at avoiding gluten, not that I have celiac disease, but just because just I'm to trying see to if eat it works better. better so that I can, my GI tract is more settled. And um, uh, one particular thing said, no, no uh, 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 large amounts, but this has been processed in a, a gluten um, environment. So you, you do not eat this product if you, you, you know. Um, now, you're, you're asking about corn liquor? <laughs> oh, beer. Beer. <laughs> oh, beer. 
Corn oh. liquor is okay, uh, but uh, beer is, as a rule, made with wheat and barley. Yeah, but uh, there are gluten-free rice-based beers that are not great but not bad. It probably is a matter of getting used to it. Budweiser. Yeah. Yeah. I have a dear friend who had uh, uh, celiac disease. Uh, it, it was a brilliant physician. He Has. came to. He has he has celiac disease. He, he doesn't because he eats a pure celiac-free diet. He came to my office and he was giving me symptoms of peripheral neuropathy. You know the a B12 deficiency that can involve numbness in his fingers. Yeah, numbness in your feet, numbness in your fingers. The most common cause of that is chemotherapy. I should add, but <laughs> he was developing weakness and numbness in his hands and his feet, and it's climbing. In a stocking glove only, the stockings were getting higher and the gloves were extending up his arm. And uh, so um, he says, I mean, could this, could this be? I said, this is, oh my, this is dangerous because peripheral neuropathy can also go along with brain neuropathy. You know, you get demented with uh, B12 deficiency. We've got to check your B12 level. And I think probably his B12 level was low. I don't remember uh, because of the the other side of the story, and that was that he said to me, uh, "Do you think I could have celiac disease? It's in my family." Well, okay, <laughs> I tested him for TTG, and his it was sky high. And of course, we put him on a gluten free diet, tested all of his family members, um, and uh, um, and you know it's interesting how much better. All of a sudden, the uh, the guy who couldn't eat. Um, lettuce is what lettuce. <laughs> Could eat lettuce again. Because it wasn't the lettuce. It wasn't the lettuce. We need to get to the question that came in on email. Oh, Can okay. You, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a question. Would you ask Dr. Holm to clarify what it is that causes congestive heart failure and the treatment thereof? Right. Well, that's about a uh, 24-hour lecture, wouldn't you say? It's a long one, <laughs> but I, I'll summarize quickly. The most common cause of cardiomyopathy is aging. People get weak. Wait a minute. The Ex- most common ha- cause of heart, heart failure, failure is, uh, and heart failure is really a weak heart. I hate the word heart failure because if, let's say you have mild weakness, well, is that failure? Let's say it's moderate weakness, but we've been able to treat it with diuretics and, and uh, lisinopril, and uh, they get a lot better. Uh, and they f- function normally and live a full life. Well, is that heart failure? Well, the, failure? but the definition is looking at all aspects of weakening Weakening heart. heart. So okay. if you say, I have a weak heart, that's a better way of putting it. Or a cardiomyopathy, I mean a muscle illness. A cardiomyopathies can be due to just aging. It can be due to... Um, uh, coronary disease in the past that wiped out all of the half the muscles of your heart so now you've got half or any of the numbers not necessarily half yeah well you've got scar tissue and functioning muscle but there's not enough functioning muscle and so you have a an an ischemic an ischemic cardiomyopathy with heart lack of oxygen coronary artery disease uh you, you can have cardiomyopathy from valves that have been leaking backwards and dilating the heart and not functioning for a lifetime. Or from a virus. You can have a viral infection that will make your heart weak. You can have long-standing hypertension. That's a big cause. And then you can have alcohol-induced cardiomyopathy. They used to say coronary disease, valve disease, alcohol, virus. Um, 
Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I think hypertension is really the big bugaboo. People live with hypertension their whole life, and then in, you know, they get about 65, and then they no longer can function. Uh, I like the idea of being physically active all your life, walking on a regular basis, and you know where you're at, and your heart's working and exercising regularly. And if you find that you can no longer do that, something's happening, get to your doctor. So that improves your heart function, even if you have a weaker heart muscle. What other things? You mentioned at the beginning of the discussion, medication. This is something that your doctor is going to regulate. Often a a diuretic is going to help to reduce fluid. Right, and we have a little bit of time, and not much. There are two types of of heart failure. One is where the heart's too stiff. And then the other one is it's just too floppy and dilated. Uh, either way, the f- mainstay of therapy for heart failure is diuretics. And so drinking less water could accomplish the same thing. Realize that, that, that uh, one of the things that one of the most important uh, uh, medications that I prescribed in my whole experience of practice was diuretics. But you gonna, don't want to overdo it. And what can happen if you have... Uh, you're an older person and you have a stiff heart is that <clears throat> it's a fine balance of too much diuretic not enough and you have to maneuver that according to the heat of the day and uh how much water you're drinking and how much salt you're taking and so there's bob you got a question yeah, what about uh, using oxygen enriched oxygen to help does that make up for the shortfall then in your body it, it only helps if you're truly hypoxic if you're low on oxygen and many people who use oxygen, you know, they like it because it feels good because it has a placebo effect. Their oxygen levels are fine without it. If you have low oxygen levels, oxygen is wonderful. If you don't have low oxygen levels, it might be pretty good, but it may not. It's all, you know, sort of it feels good because you got that little extra. But the truth is it doesn't make a lot of difference. So the question going back to the heart weakness, though, is, is if your part is not pumping correctly are you getting the oxygen spread throughout your body yeah. so you, you get test more, the oxygen yeah. level and some people are still getting adequate oxygen right but they also have a weak heart and have right. excess fluid build up or they and if, if they exercise they can't do it it's interesting i mean i found myself i'm a regular exerciser right after that surgery and chemo and radiation i just couldn't i couldn't run anymore i couldn't do it I just couldn't do it. And uh, I can now. I'm getting back to it. But I'm very weak compared to what I did. Sunday, she and I went for a three-and-a-half-mile walk, and we ended up running half of it, which was great. Monday and Tuesday, I was so stiff I could not, <laughs> I couldn't hardly walk. Um, so I'm glad to say that stiffness is, is less, and I'm going to try to do a little bit more today. So there you go. Well, we're running out of time, I think, Bob. Joni, you want anything you want to do? We have all the time you need. Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, we appreciate that you listen to us on Prairie Doc Radio. We're here every Wednesday at 930. Call in your questions or send them via email. Right, and tomorrow night, uh, head trauma. We didn't even get into that this morning, but there's wonderful information about sports, young sports, people in the armed preventing forces preventing post uh, football players you know that all that post concussion dementia that whole thing that's an important issue let's watch that tomorrow night at seven and wear your helmet if you ride a motorcycle or, or bicycle, bicycle. <laughs> great thank you very much for listening